Welcome to Healthcare Du Jour, where we dish up and digest the latest in healthcare. For the next 30 minutes, sit back as we bring you insight, commentary, and discussion on trending topics to the table, all expertly served up by our host and his guests. Healthcare Du Jour is brought to you by Carium, the telehealth platform enabling healthcare's digital transformation, helping you care for people within the fabric of their daily lives. Now, here's your host, Matt Fisher. Welcome back, and thank you for joining as we dive into the hottest topics in healthcare. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. On the menu today is Frank Forte, Chief Executive Officer at Anatomy IT. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. So, Frank, what I always like to do before getting into the main part of the conversation is to give my guests a chance to provide more of an introduction in terms of who they are and what they do. So, Frank, the floor is yours. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, let me start professionally. So, uh, Frank Forte, I'm the CEO of Anatomy IT. So, Anatomy IT is a healthcare cyber an intelligent transformation company, really focused on the mid-market providers, really across all care settings. So pre-acute to post-acute, including specialties, dermatology, dental, orthopedics, um, obviously acute care hospitals, post-acute, long-term care, senior living, et cetera. So we've developed a lot of specialties across the care continuum. I've spent 20 years in healthcare working for, I'll call them category leaders in technology, patient experience, rev cycle, and now IT. Personally, I'm an engineer by training, so I have a passion for (laughs) looking for problems that are in need of a solution and and building things. So my wife likes to offer my help to all the neighbors and uh, help them with projects, fix and build things. So now I do that in the office as well. Uh, You know, I have the privilege, Matt, of leading an incredible team of professionals at Anatomy that are dedicated to building a great company with a great mission of improving patient care through technology and intelligent transformation or digital transformation. It, that sounds great. And Frank, you just said that you've been in healthcare, I think you said for around 20 years. Yes. So what got you into healthcare in the first place? <laughs> well, like many, thing, it w- like many things, it wasn't my plan. Um, so opportunity knocked. It goes back to earlier in my career, I worked for a division of Emerson Electric Corporation. And so they were primarily focused on, you know, industrial manufacturing. They had a hospital division, or I should say a healthcare division. And in that division, they were using uh, primarily storage devices in healthcare. So it's supply chain uh, devices, workstation for nurses and clinicians. And that quickly moved into more technology, right? Nurses were using these workstations for clinical charting and getting into the EMR. Uh, medicine was not just being stored, but it was automated, med, med dispensing units. So the business morphed it morphed into more technology products for healthcare. The CEO of that division was a big fan of ethnographic research, which is a fancy way of saying, get out into the field, talk to people that are using the equipment and devices, listen, learn, and most importantly, observe. And so uh, I got a chance to spend a lot of time uh, on the shop floor, work on the shop floor, uh, on the patient floors. <laughs> That's the manufacturing talk. Uh, the patient floors working with nurses, clinicians, and, and physicians. And a few things really stood out to me. First, look, the very big role caregivers, particularly nurses, play in patient experience. Uh, it's, it just can't be overstated. Two, the tremendous impact technology could have on workflow. Like you know, clinical charting, automating care plans, medication management, even medical supply fulfillment or supply chain. I mean, only through technology can you really get the efficiencies. And, and it was amazing the opportunity for technology in healthcare at that time. 
But ironically, and, and third, <laughs> the enormous challenge was really around getting clinicians to adopt the new technology, particularly if it all altered their workflow. And most often, particularly then, it did alter their workflow. So adoption was really the biggest challenge. So those are really the three observations I had. But, but I credit it to one of my first jobs out of college working for somebody who was passionate about healthcare. It's a very interesting observation that you made that, you know, the adoption of technology has you know, been a consistent issue. So, you know, how have you seen that evolve or, you know, how did you kind of internalize those early lessons you were talking about and use that to, you know, come up with your process or, you know, your philosophy when it came to um encouraging uh, the utilization of technology as it's become certainly more ubiquitous across healthcare? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think when I first thought of IT, what came to mind was help desk. That's what I first thought. And that's probably what most people think of maybe even today. And, and you know, the other thing they would think about are the components, networks, routers, cables, hardware, really everything in the basement or in the closet. And so nobody's really thinking about all the proactive things that IT really does. And I would say in general, IT um, was really not well received at all. In fact, it was considered a threat to patient care, time waster. It's definitely a cost center. And physicians and nurses just really hated it because it meant change and required new workflows, training, et cetera. Um, I would say where I really saw adoption start to take off was probably because of external drivers like the high, high tech, uh, Affordable Care Act, meaningful use. This really was the first wave that drove adoption, particularly with the medical records. And that drove a lot of interoperability and other technologies associated with. The next big wave was cybersecurity, or unfortunately, the cybersecurity attacks really drove security and compliance requirements. And then, of course, COVID draw, drove a whole new other wave of adoption in terms of um, accessing uh, technologies from home, mobile devices, et cetera. And then I think we're on the cusp of another one, which is around uh, artificial intelligence and uh, generative AI. So I've seen a lot of changes. Um, I think the big thing when I think about IT is and cybersecurity, we think a lot or the company thinks a lot about getting it operationalized and rooted within the healthcare system. And we think about things that people don't ordinarily think about. We think about change management. We think about training. We think about even patient adoption, right? And those are the things that often, particularly technology vendors, don't seem to talk about. They wait till, you know, they think the technology is going to solve the problems. But in fact, it's the opposite. You have to start with those things to get the technology even utilized. The technology can do great things, but only if the, the stakeholders embrace it and use it. And that's a great point that you just made, which is you know, kind of identify and quantify those problems. And then figure out how you can, it sounds like, frame the technology and implement the technology to actually begin addressing the problem as opposed to suggesting technology and then having it search search out a problem that it could solve. That's right. So it kind of the other thing that you did is you were framing, um, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but you, you're talking about intelligent transformation. And I didn't know if that was just a different way of referring to IT or kind of what do you actually mean by intelligent transformation? <laughs> I was waiting for you to pick up on that. So I often replace IT with the terms intelligent transformation. I do it a lot internally just to signal to the team the shift that we're making in the paradigm or the shift in the paradigm. And it also signals what's happening in the industry. So at one point, 
you know, IT was a necessary evil, as we talked about. I think it definitely wasn't embraced, certainly not adopted at the pace that it needed to be. But now I think we'd all agree that IT, digital transformation, whatever terms you want to use, sits firmly at the intersection of the patient providers and the payers. It's really a strategic asset or it's become a strategic asset to solve big problems. So workflow automation can drive productivity and address labor shortages. You know, uh, healthcare talent is very, very hard to come by and retain. Uh, Cybersecurity solutions, you know, preventative solutions certainly address a lot of the security and compliance requirements that are so important today. Um, telehealth, you know, is a is a big game changer that drives continuity and continuum of care. You know, standardization across all the facilities, right? It's not just inpatient, it's outpatient, it's ambulatory environments, it's a home environment, it's mobile. So this standardization ultimately will drive more adoption utilization, but also lower the cost. And then you have things like AI really helping clinical uh, diagnosis processes and even revenue cycle for that matter. There's a lot of technology poured into revenue cycle to maximize reimbursements. And so these are all strategic assets, right? These are things that need to be discussed at the boardroom, you know, being sponsored by an executive. These are not things that come after the fact anymore. And I think, you know, healthcare has really embraced that at this point and recognizes how transformative, you know, intelligent transformation can really be for the organization. And you just mentioned, you know, probably almost every potential area of operation within an organization that, you know, there's a technology solution for or that technology could impact. So from your perspective, how do you prioritize which area you might want to tackle first? Or is it really that you're, you know, kind of doing a lot of different areas in parallel, depending on, um, you know, the different key stakeholders you might have in an organization? Yeah, that's a great question. So the short answer is we always prioritize, or I I believe we should always think about security first. The conversation has to start with security because without security, you're not safe. The data is not safe. You know, the facility is not safe and, and therefore nothing else can happen after that. So you have to start with security. And when you think about security, it has to be an integral part of the decision-making, influencing the choices, the planning stages, how implementation, the roadmap. So security has to be number one. Um, After security, you you can move into more of the tactical things like, okay, well, what hardware, software networks need to be built? What needs to be updated? How do we standardize? What does the actual physical IT roadmap look like? And then then really third has to be the change management component of it. So if you're going to do all these things, you have to make sure that people are trained they understand, you know, their workflow may change. Hopefully it improves, becomes more seamless, but th- there will be some change involved. And there's going to be a phased approach. I think one of the challenges with any of these things, particularly in the, you know, IT space, is everybody's demanding time to implement different technologies and often get siloed from department to department. So managing the expectations of the stakeholders and doing a nice phase rollout and communication is definitely a third and very big priority. Very often, uh, I think health systems miss the opportunity to educate and properly launch some of these new solutions. And again, I, I would say, you know, vendors don't do a great job also of helping that. And that's their responsibility to help drive that type of education at the healthcare system as well. Yeah, and that certainly makes sense and ties into you know point that you've made a couple of times, which is, you know, driving buy-in and uh, driving engagement, which you know, I think, as you were just saying, requires 
you know, not just throwing a tool into place, but actually thinking through that process and getting the the right people involved. And then as you, I think you also said, the education and training components around it, because, you know, whether we like it or not, some of the new technology is not necessarily intuitive when it first comes out. But That's once right. you actually get the curtain peeled back for you, then you understand how it's actually, you know, how it can drive improvement and that the interaction can actually prove beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. So That's the other thing that you were, you know, that you first mentioned, which is music to my ears, is that security has to come first. So when you're thinking through security, I guess, you know, kind of what are the layers that you're thinking about and you know, what what are you considering as you're going through maybe a strategic analysis of how to ensure that security is built in and then um, evolves as uh, the system changes? Yeah, that, that's another good question. Um, I think it goes back to, there's, well, there's a few things that really stand out to me as we work with lots of clients, lots of different health systems across all the different care settings. There's generally, you know, five to do's and it's multifaceted, right? So um, it requires a comprehensive approach. And I think that's important to say. So it's not just one thing, it's several things. But I think there are maybe five fundamental things that really stand out to me. And I also feel that uh, once again, it's incumbent on the partners, the vendors to be able to lay this out very simply and clearly for the health system who's got a million different priorities. And at the end of the day, their core expertise and their, and their responsibilities to the patient. And so we have to we have to do a great job of educating. But there's five to do's that I generally um, talk about and really stand out to me. The, the first one would be. Get help. Right. I mean, these are all new highly complex things, cybersecurity, even new the IT roadmap with all the different advances in technology requires deep expertise. It's an ever-changing landscape and it has to align with business objectives. So I, that's a lot. And so get help, right? Don't reinvent the wheel. Go find a partner or an advisor, somebody that's done this before, made all the different mistakes and could kind of help you through the process and 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 start with a basic assessment, right? Start with a basic assessment and force this partner. You know, I say force because a lot of times they're not proactive. But as as I would say, if I was a hospital healthcare stakeholder, I would ask, prioritize things for me. Tell me exactly how you would do it, and try to take advantage of their experience and having done this. You know, hopefully lots of times, and really force them to prioritize and force rank what they would do. To try to make it now, I'm not suggesting that every health system is going to do it the same way, and, and very times the priorities are different, but really, you know, insist your partner prioritizes things for you. So get help, find a partner, do an assessment. That's number one. Um, do the basics very well, right? Like good security starts with good IT hygiene. And so forget about all the fancy things, just do the basics well, train your teams, you know, multi-factor authentication just basic things, leaving your computer on, accessing things from home, going through firewalls, passwords, just the basics, right? Those basics are the primary ways that threat actors get in and start and, and, and breach security is through the basics we often find. The third was, is always to get, you know, executive buy-in, but also to, this is why I say the first one was get an assessment, work with a partner, but you need to do an as-is and share that with the executive team. Because often executive teams don't understand their level of risk. 
even internally anatomy, I always ask the team like, well, what is our level of risk? If we're going to be providing IT cybersecurity solutions to healthcare, what is our level of risk? We're managing lots of endpoints for clients. So what does that look like? And so I think you have to provide the executives um, in a healthcare system that visibility to help them understand it. Maybe not in the very detail at the very detailed level, but at least understand the level of risk to mobilize the amount of resources and funds they need, depending on where they are. Um, the fourth thing was is always you know appoint someone to develop and focus on it. And so this is not a part-time job. Um, cybersecurity is complex. It ties into almost every decision, especially on the technology front, that a provider will make. And so you need somebody that is an internal champion that this is their full-time job and they're going to look very holistically at this and, and work with any potential partners or other types of technology partners that they have. Uh, and, and then lastly, I would say, you know, perform regular risk assessments, just like we do HR, regular employee satisfaction, customer satisfaction. We do tests on our internal infrastructure operations, do one for security, do a regular annual risk assessment, an SRA, identify where the vulnerabilities are and constantly try to update your roadmap because those things are going to change every year. And so I think it's very, uh, it's very important. Those five to do's are done or recognized uh, very quickly. Yeah. Those are some, you know, kind of five really essential points to keep in mind. And for those of you just joining, I'm talking with Frank Forde from Anatomy IT. And we've been talking kind of about IT deployment and considerations for structure and now starting to get into security. And Frank, with those five points that you kind of laid out, you know, what have you seen be effective strategies to walk you know, the clients that you've worked through or other organizations you've worked with to internalize and understand the complexity of each of those five and then at the same time not feel like it's overwhelming because there are so many different um, components and ongoing effort related to it? Yeah, overwhelming is something that uh, I think going in, um, the provider is going to feel overwhelmed because in addition to all the operational things that they're dealing with and, and patient care things that they're dealing with, they're also dealing with, you know, security requirements that are coming from, you know, the 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 the, the payers, right? They're going to require um, getting cyber insurance is a huge hurdle in some cases, a lot of providers aren't even eligible for for cyber insurance, and so getting ready to uh, attest to that is a really big task for the providers. Um, and then prioritizing all the different components of it, what has to be done first and second and third, and then the funding part of it is also uh, a big piece of it. You know, how much should they spend? What's going to get them to a certain level of security? Uh, What's the return on investment of that? You know, how much do you really need to do? And and generally, you know, when we're talking to clients, um, I think the takeaway here is be proactive. You know, do 50% more than you were doing yesterday. Just start there, okay? We generally like to start with an assessment. And so just let's know where you are, okay? And, and start to understand where are the weak points, uh, where have you made progress? What type of internal resources do you have? You know, is the issue around your hardware and, and tool sets that you have? 
Or do you have other things that are coming into play that we have to be concerned about? Do you have a disaster recovery program? Because things often at some point, you'll have issues at some point. It's not really if, it's when. And, and so will you be prepared for it and be able to bounce back in a short amount of time? So we, we look at all the basic things first and we ask the clients to start with the basics, do 50% more than they were doing yesterday um, just to get started. And then we start going through checklists with the clients. We do what they call a health IT framework, which is really a, a holistic assessment. And so you can't just really look at cybersecurity initiatives. You have to look at cyber IT and change management altogether. Because again, you could have the best technology, the best cybersecurity tools in place, but if they're not fought, if they're not implemented, if the stakeholders aren't adopting it, and if it's not reinforced in your security policy, then it's not going to be sustaining. And so we we do a full assessment, health IT framework assessment that gives a really holistic view up front. And then we just start prioritizing which things do we think are in most need and figuring out ways to work with clients to help prioritize those things and, and, and fund those things. I think I think um, the funding is also, and it doesn't have to be terribly expensive. I think a good thoughtful plan and phased approach where you get to some milestone in a period of time uh, is the right approach. Candidly, healthcare systems can't digest all these different initiatives at once anyway. So it's important to really lay out a phased approach and not, as you said, Matt, overwhelm the client or overwhelm the healthcare facility. And kind of given that phased approach and also you know, your experience of working with a number of different uh, facilities or organizations, you know, are there certain findings or certain steps that you see kind of frequently rise to the top of the ones that should be considered first, or is it really um, unique in each in each circumstance? It's oh, a good question. I think it's unique in each circumstance, but the basics are never done enough. I, I think that's the first place to start, right? Just having you know password protection and making sure your um, screensaver goes on when you leave, and if you're going to be accessing it from a, a remote device, make sure your IT system has. Uh, provided a firewall and access through through the the firewall, which is protected and secure. Those are the things we always start with because those are the things that, as basic as they are, uh, are typically never done to the degree that they should be done. And a lot of that is just education, training, and candidly, just you know, a consistent emphasis and communication internally. Which again, why back to one of the the, the points we talked about earlier around some of the five to dos. One of them is that internal stakeholder. So it's not just about deploying new security technology or IT technology. It's also about communication and reinforcing why it's important. I mean, it takes a while for uh, even within any company to to get everybody aligned on what they have to do and do it consistently. So that's it's the basics. I would say matter the most important thing and where we always start. And then once we once we come sense, uh, you know that the basics end up needing to be a focus. Kind of given, you know, and the infrequent settlements you hear, you know, at least from the HIPAA perspective, that you know, kind of some of those key building blocks are missing. You know, I guess if you had the ability to to kind of implement some change, you know, it sounds like maybe your five elements that you identified for earlier would be some of the ways to help avoid overlooking those basics and start baking those uh, into, uh, you know, the culture and the overall operations of an organization. Absolutely. I think those five, those five steps, at least we found at Anatomy that those are pretty much universal. 
And um, if you tackle even 50% of those five steps, I mean, you, you, you made a lot of headway in getting your organization um, ready for, or, or in terms of getting them secure and, and, and becoming as compliant as possible. Nothing is going to prevent, you know, the full risk of cyber, right? Cyber attack, but you can do a lot to mitigate it. And, and certainly you can do a lot to be prepared. So when it does happen, <clears throat> you'll be prepared and you'll be able to minimize downtime and, and the cost. And, and what we always find is that, you know, most healthcare organizations, and, and I understand why. So it's, it's, it's just the nature of all the things going on, but they, they, they function more reactively. Right. And then what ends up happening is um, it's much more costly to remediate in the long run, as opposed to being able to anticipate what could possibly happen and be prepared for it. So when it does happen, uh, you'll be able to quickly address it, minimize, you know, if it's a data breach, minimize the amount of data that could possibly be leaked out, which is incredibly harmful and costly, and be able to um, minimize downtime and, and quickly get back to normal. Yeah, and in light of those potential consequences of, you know, that inevitable successful attack, you know, do you feel that organizations are doing enough now to act, be proactively ready, or is it still kind of stuck in that reactive mode, despite the feels like almost daily announcement of a, of a cyber attack that's caused a disruption? Well, the short answer is no. Um, and, and that's based upon the year over year increase in data be breaches, especially in healthcare. I mean, that definitely validates that there's not enough attention and focus on cybersecurity. There's a lot of talk about it, but, you know, we're light on action as, as an industry. So, you know, I think Look, healthcare stakeholders, healthcare facilities know they need to protect themselves. But I think, you know, they're hampered by generally a lack of expertise. And it takes a lot of expertise. It's not just somebody that's dabbling in cybersecurity. Um, it's about knowing, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked. But also I go back to this prioritization. I think that's what happens. You know, it's it's almost like you know, I'm trying to think of a a good analogy, but you because you said it, you get overwhelmed all these things, I need all these tools and I need all these services and it's going to cost this and cost that. And, and no one can seem to quite tell you, well, um, what's the benefit of doing this and how and do I really need this and to what degree, right? And and I think there's enough data out there to make some pretty good assumptions on what needs to get done. And again, partners in this space need to be clear with healthcare providers on here's where you need to start. They need to be more demonstrative in laying out those priorities. Otherwise, what ends up happening is no action is taken. You know, there's there's always this issue of like, well, do I really need to do this or not? You primarily find a lot of that or particularly find a lot of that in some of the smaller facilities or definitely on the independent physician practices. They don't believe they really need all this. And it's overkill. And candidly, it could be at, at times. It's not right size for smaller healthcare providers. It could be incredibly expensive, but also incredibly disruptive for, you know, three or four physician practice. I mean, to go implement all that stuff is is like a non-starter. And so I think, again, partners have to be realistic and provide a really good roadmap and prioritize with the provider that they're they're working with and, and, and take into account a lot of other factors. Yeah, no, taking that realistic approach and, you know, it sounds like essentially, you know, take a deep breath and then look at the organization you're talking to to figure out what the that appropriate roadmap that you mentioned is and that prioritization it's certainly um, a great message. And unfortunately, it's going to have to be our parting message because believe it or not, we're already out of time. 
I want to thank my guest, Frank Forte, for a great conversation today. Thank you, Matt. I really enjoyed this. I hope this helps. Yeah, and thank you to everyone listening. Keep the dialogue going and connect with me at hashtag HCDEJURE. I'm Matt Fisher. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>